Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's do it. We have time to run walls. If it's first and ten, walls. Or, 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 any down and distance. I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure Podcast. I'm Matt Stagner here with Ron Cotton Jr. As always, Ron, how you feeling about this Chiefs team after a tough loss against the Buffalo Bills in a game that we probably should have seen coming? Yeah, you know, I I enjoyed my time Sunday at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, it was a good time. Um, you know, it was a beautiful day, beautiful football weather day, and that kind of did creep in. You mentioned that, Sags. You know, we should have seen it coming. You know, just tailgating with apparently pessimistic Chiefs fans. It definitely, you know, started to get to, you know, by kickoff, like, okay, you know, we actually might, you know, have some trouble here. Just, you know, people were getting that thought into my head. You know, I wasn't feeling as optimistic as I was maybe when I did my prediction. But I was I was pleasantly surprised, But and we'll get into it. But I was, uh, you know, I enjoyed the game. I, I was proud of, of this Chiefs team. There's definitely some issues, right? There's definitely some things we got to talk through, definitely some things they need to correct. But. You know, they, they put together, a, a, you know, a good performance, an entertaining performance. So, you know, I was proud of them. Yeah, 24 to 20, it wasn't quite the shootout that we expected, but it was a, a back and forth game. There were some highlight reel plays. Uh, and it was clear that very even that this is number one versus number two, Goliath versus Goliath. These are both contender teams. And so I think that's why a lot of Chiefs fans maybe walked away not feeling as bad as you might have thought somebody would after a loss. Right. And, and that's where, yeah, like I, I felt like that coming out of the stadium, right? Walking out with, with my, you know, with my friends, with my family and just, just kind of, you know, saying, Hey, you know, it was a fun game, but the more you dive into the game, the more you get a little frustrated with, with what's, you know, what was going on. And that's where, you know, feeling kind of optimistic after that loss, like it's almost uncomfortable. Like, should I be feeling this op- optimistic? Like, is this just kind of me saying, you know, not, you know, tr- wanting to worry about, you know, the flaws of this team and, and, and maybe, you know, not seeing what, what's really wrong with this team. But I'll start with the optimistic side, Stags, because you got to give it up for the defense, man. I mean, despite having two day-free rookies starting at your outside cornerbacks, despite having Willie Gay suspended, despite, you know, missing another, you know, key player in Brian Cook in your secondary, you know, despite obviously, you know, some of the defensive line stuff, you know, missing Turk Wharton now, they stepped up, man, and, and they did their thing. You know, I, I definitely, you know, Spags gets a lot of credit, but I, I definitely think just overall the defense made enough plays, and, and, and that was the encouraging part to me is that when this defense was fully healthy, you know, the, you, you'd expect they could, you know, have a similar performance against the Bills when they see him again. So the defense was really the main thing that made me feel good, you know, good kind of coming out of this win. How do you feel about how the defense played? Well, for, first of all, this is not a moral victory podcast. We're not, no, it's we're not. not here saying, hey – at least we were close or, no. you know, 
you know, we're we're feeling good about it. A loss. I mean, a loss is a loss, and and you can only afford so many in, in a given year. When you look at the schedule, though, and they're sitting here at four and two, that's about where we hoped they would be, probably at this point in the schedule. If you looked at it prior to the season, yeah, I agree with you. I think there were some things that you can look at and say, hey, the defense for all their struggles, for all the the rookies playing and the third and fourth string guys, especially in the secondary. Yeah, I mean they they held up all right. They held them to twenty four points. Uh, there were only two drives that where you're like. It, where they, it looked like the Bills were unstoppable. Um, I was I was very frustrated about that 99-yard drive, essentially, that they had. Uh, you know, that's one where I felt like they had a real opportunity to to uh, to swing yeah. momentum and, and to really put the hammer down. And, and for whatever reason, I, that seemed like a drive where they were a little bit soft in, in coverage uh, and, and blitz a little bit less than, than other drives. Is that right? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, you know, it's it's end of half. I mean, they start at their own freaking two yard line. I mean, you know, gotta gotta give the Bills credit for for digging themselves out of that. But you know, it, they just wanted to try to you know not give up the big play, and then they eventually give up the big play um, as as it goes as as the as the drive gets down to it. But you know, I I think Spags on the on, you know blitzing. I think it's just one of those things, man. You live by the blitz, you die by the blitz. You know, this defense was never supposed to be the reason this team wins. They were supposed to just help the offense. You know. Uh, get in good position by getting a few stops, making a few plays. And how you do that is 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 blitzing erratically like Spags does at times. Allen started 0 for 7 against the blitz. So, I mean, it, it, it was working. It was stopping him. But he's going to make plays. That's just what happens. But at, at the end of the day, man, the defense still made enough plays um, to set up the offense. And, and, you know, that's where, you know, maybe the discouraging part of this game is, is on that side of the ball. I feel like you tweeted that out, that uh, this defense was never supposed to be the reason they win. Right. Uh, and, and I think I think that's fair. I think we're sitting here picking apart the defense in a game where they held Buffalo well under their season average, uh, you know, even given the circumstances that they were facing. It, it really does feel like an offense uh, issue for me. So I think this offense and this team as a whole has to figure out how to take advantage of opportunities and, and really, you know, close the deal. You look at the Colts game, you look at this one, and even the Raiders game in between, there were some chances there where they can bury teams, where they can put the game out of reach, where they can make a statement, where they can get the job done in a way that doesn't leave them vulnerable to a, a rally by the other team late in the game. This game against Buffalo, you know, there was the drive before, uh, right before Buffalo took the lead uh, towards the end of the game. Vaughn Miller gets a sack, shuts down the, the drive. Before that, there was a missed field goal, obviously, you know, it was a, not a chip shot, but after hitting the 62-yarder earlier in the game, you felt pretty solid about Butker hitting that 51. Yeah. Um, that missed field goal hurt a little bit. But really, the story of the game, unfortunately, is the two interceptions by Mahomes. And, and they were in key moments, and they were both arguably bad decisions that where he could have uh, yeah. thrown the ball away and, and lived, lived to fight another a down. Um, the first one... Uh, was the opportunity at the beginning of the game when they had a turnover and they had the opportunity to, to come down and and really you know get this game off to a good start and he forces it to MVS and double uh, double coverage in the end zone now the flip side to that is you could argue that MVS should have fought for the ball more than what he did um, but to me if you're gonna throw a jump ball in the end zone 
there's one guy on this team you throw that to, and it's Jody Fortson. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know why we're throwing jump balls to MVS at this point. He has not shown that to be his strength ever. And so questionable decision in the in the red zone, obviously trying to make a play, but that hurt. Uh, and then into the game, you know, under duress, trying to make a play, trying to extend that, you know, that drive uh, with one minute left to go. But didn't see the the defender coming. They they jumped the route. Uh, I don't know if that was telegraphed or if that was something that had been on film. But you know, obviously those two interceptions were the story of the game for the offense. Just completely missed opportunities. And the worst thing that we see in Chiefs losses is when Mahomes doesn't come through. And that is that's an odd feeling because he's come through so much for this team. He's the reason that they are a contender and have been a contender. That's the uneasy feeling for me is when he doesn't get it done. And it is a weird feeling, right? Because I think a lot of times in these situations, and I think the Colts game was one example too, where he throws a game ending interception. I think we come out of it just like, well, Hey, if Mahomes is the reason we lose, then it can't be that bad. Right? Like he's not going to lose us when it lose us a game, when it matters, blah, blah, blah. I think some, you know, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but a lot of times, and maybe that's one of the reasons I felt so optimistic coming out of this game initially but yes no you're right you look into this game a little more you look into those plays those crucial plays some of those plays down the stretch especially it it is not encouraging to see that the same thing that tripped him up and the offense up against the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC championship was exactly what the Bills did this week not exactly now it was a little different but in terms of this three-man rush that's what the Bengals did in the AFC championship and the Bills were sending three down linemen and then having a fourth guy spy Mahomes now the, the Bengals weren't necessarily doing that with the spy. They were just having that eighth guy drop into coverage. But either way, it is really giving him giving him trouble because it's just so many people in the passing windows that he wants to get to. It doesn't make him it makes him uncomfortable. And what doesn't help Stags is the offensive tackles not being able to hold their own, the offensive line not being able to protect him from a three man rush with five linemen. That is another part of this too, but it's absurd. It, it, it is, it is. And, 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 and you see that, that, that scrambling play he had closer to the red zone later in the game. He eventually gets tackled. That looked way too much like the Bengals game where he's twirling around, you know, and, and he's looking lost. That's what that's, you know, looking back, that's what really made me like, who, you know, this Gross. is, this was not a fun game to, to kind of realize that, you know, this teams are seeing that right. Teams are seeing the three man rush really, you know, continue to give him, you know, trouble. And they're just going to continue to uh, to look, to use it against the Chiefs, I'm sure. It's funny you mentioned the Bengals game because that's that's where I was about to go when you said, hey, Chiefs fans, don't worry. Mahomes didn't come through this time, but he'll come through when it matters most. Right. Well, the last time I had this feeling that Mahomes really let the team down was the AFC Championship, championship game against the Bengals. So, yeah, that's that's where I get this uneasy feeling to say, you know, you can count on Mahomes, but <laughs> yeah. there's some examples where you know it, it it hasn't worked out that way. So that's part of why I I'm hoping that this team figures out how to capitalize on more of the opportunities earlier in the game, mm-hmm. so that it doesn't come down to that last second desperation feeling uh, drive. When they're in rhythm, when their offense is moving the ball up and down the field, and they're scoring when they get in the red zone, then game shouldn't be that close at the end or at least the offense is going to feel in rhythm when they need to be because yeah. this offense felt really out of sorts 
in the second half and a lot of a lot of points. And a couple of those drives were extended by a bunch of penalties on the on the Bills side. So right. it was this offense really kind of sputtering and you know, yeah, they're they're, they're staying on the field, but it's not because they were operating like a well-oiled machine like we'd like to see them yeah no you're right and and that's the the thing is is just a little discouraging and and maybe the thing we need to kind of accept uh and maybe just we kind of maybe brushed off too quickly is this may be where they're they're missing Tyreek Hill this year right this these late game situations these especially Mahomes you know his comfort level it didn't look you know I if I get it to this guy you know I feel good that he can make a player that he can you know make a difference here you know maybe there's just you know, just not having that this year as much, you know, because I do think Kelsey gets taken away a lot more later in those games, right? Even though he still found a way to, to get open all over the place, including a, a BS OPI call that, that really did screw the Chiefs on one drive. They would they would have been down at the 11-yard line, just a terrible offensive pass interference call. But all that to say, Stags, I will say, as a fan, the fan in me, I don't mind having a little bit of the revenge factor going into the playoffs. That's what happened last year. You know, imagine if on, on top of that 13 seconds, we kind of get the Bills again. That that built up revenge factor. You saw uh, you saw Ed Oliver doing the chop, mocking us after a regular season win. I think this team. I, I like I like kind of having that revenge factor as a fan. Um, you know, the yeah. analyst aside, I, I, there I, like, is some, I like that. There is something to the that idea that it's hard to beat a team multiple times in one year, especially when it's one of the other top teams. So you you do feel a little more confident going into the playoffs and saying, hey. They got us last time. This team is going to be, you know, really aggressive and in, in avenging that. In addition to wanting to win the playoffs, I mean, there's that's that should be obvious motivation there. But you know, again, not to be the Debbie Downer today, but they lost to the Bengals in the regular season last year. And they yeah. had their chance for for revenge in, in the postseason. So anyway, I'll, it's one of those deals where I, I think I, you and I are in the same boat as far as I don't feel awful about that game I feel like watching it as a fan it's like hey good game right two best teams in the NFL head-to-head one of them had to win uh you know the Chiefs really actually coming into the game in some ways felt outmatched because the Bills were definitely on a heater uh, as compared to the, the Chiefs were you know it's been an up and down season and there were a lot of questions about how the Chiefs were going to defend the Bills you know, again, the d- defense probably outperformed expectations, uh, even though, you know, Allen had a nice day. It was it was not a complete domination by the Bills offense uh, that it could have been. So um, let's get to a couple of uh, uh, our punctuation. We haven't done this segment in a couple of weeks. So punctuation, uh, which means what players do you have question marks about how they played and, and who they are after this week? And what players do you have exclamation points after their name uh, based on, uh, you know, them doing something outstanding or being uh, being a standout? So I'll let you start. Yeah, well, I think the the easy one on offense is, is Juju Smith-Schuster, exclamation point at the end of that one. Um, it was great to see him finally have his big game. We've been waiting for it. And, you know, it was, it was cool to kind of see exactly what we all thought the strengths of Juju were coming into the season they were on display there, you know, the touchdown catch. He's just tough to tackle. And I know it was very poor tackling effort, honestly. I, I, I do think the Bills helped him on that. But he is a tough dude to bring down, and, th- and that's the beauty of him. And you saw it also later in the game on that slant route he got open on. 
you know, the safety comes down pretty hard to try to get him at his ankles, but Juju just runs right through it and gets another 20, 30 yards because of that on that big play. You also saw the jump ball on the sideline. Uh, not really a jump ball, but just, you know, that back shoulder fade to get a first down at some point. It was really cool to see him to see him look like a, a wide receiver one now. You know, I, I do think there, it was still – I think it is still like a, a rotation still. I'm not, I, I'm not here to say I think that's going to just – oh, he's going to be the, the wide receiver one every single game. I do think the Bills playing a lot more man coverage uh, kind of opened that up for Juju a few times. That one slant I mentioned gets open because it's a rub route that we the, the Chiefs execute a perfect pick play. On the other one, I mean, it was just Mahomes being Mahomes, his touchdown pass. I mean, he scrambles around and finds Juju on the scramble drill, so – there is some, you know, there was some to it where it wasn't like super, super like, oh, like wide receiver one, like as, as impressive as we've seen from anybody or, or anything. But it was still good to see him have a good day, Sags. Yeah, he put up wide receiver one numbers in the, right. in the sense that he went over 100 yards and had a touchdown, but he was still only five targets. Uh, he caught all five passes, which is a nice, efficient game. The difference between this game and previous games for Juju where he's been just good is that one touchdown play where he was able to break a tackle uh, and bust off a 42-yard touchdown. So, uh, yeah, I'm encouraged by Juju. I think he's been pretty consistent all year. He had one game there where he was pretty inefficient and and did not haul in most of his targets. But otherwise, you know, he is your top wide receiver, whether he's an NFL number one or not is is yet to be seen. He's going to need more than five targets a game in order to be a true NFL number one. Right now, Travis Kelsey is the guy getting the, the bulk of the targets, as he should. So he had Kelsey had 10 targets, caught eight for 108. So he deserves an exclamation point there as well. One receiver that I'm going to put a question mark next to is uh, McCole Hardman. So Hardman had a touchdown this week, which is great. He caught three of his four targets for 42 yards. But as you start watching some of the plays that didn't work this week, and some of the big missed opportunities. Once again, I feel like you saw McColl running the wrong route, turning the wrong way, you know, not responding to the scramble drill in, in the way that Mahomes expected him to. And they missed a couple of uh, really big opportunities once again. Yeah, no, that's a kind of been a theme, unfortunately. I mean, obviously of his career, but even this season, um, you know, we saw, I think we talked about it on our podcast. I think I, I, I noticed it by then, but after the Colts loss, I noticed, you know, the game-ending interception in that game. It seemed like it was because McColl runs the wrong route and kind of gets in the way of of what the of what the primary route is supposed to be. And you can tell because Juju's actually like yelling at him after the play, which we've seen way too much of between him and Mahomes um, at times. So yeah, McColl is definitely one where it just you know it, it doesn't seem like it's progressing anywhere more than what we've already seen from him as as he as he goes. Well, I have exclamation point for linebacker Darius Harris. I mean, shout out him. Um, you know, I, I think he has been feeling admirably. He had the, the batted down pass at the goal line to, to help get a fourth down stop uh, early in the game. He also had a tackle for loss. That was big later in the game. Kind of comes unblocked against the run. It actually helped set up a fourth down that the, the Bills ended up not getting. Um, he actually blitzed on that play too. So it has been, it has been a pretty admirable him filling in, but Willie Gay's back this week, so it may not last for much longer. But got to give him his props while we can. Yeah, no, I, I've been a proponent of his since he, he's been in the, in the game this year. I don't think it's one of those situations where all of a sudden he needs to play over Gay or Bolton uh, when Gay's back, but it's nice to have that third linebacker that you feel confident, can make some plays, can eat some snaps for you. 
And, and I think he's been pretty solid overall. Yeah, well, now, that's the while thing. we're doing question marks, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that's the thing about you mentioned not playing over Gay or Hair or Gay or um, Bolton, but he could play over Chanel. I, I think there is a chance he could play that Sam role and, and be the third linebacker on the field. Chanel hasn't done anything to necessarily uh, secure that spot. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Uh, Chanel, you know, had, had his rookie. He's taking his rookie lumps right now. He's not. He's not been a a problem, you know, per se, but but certainly uh, somebody who could who could use some more seasoning maybe before he's right. uh, oh, before yeah. he's counted on. Absolutely. Well, while we're at our question marks, um, there's somebody that has not been a question mark for me much this year at all, uh, but I, I see a lot of chatter about Nick Bolton this week and how um, you know some people see the plays that he makes and they say Bolton's been outstanding. And others have looked at him this year and said, He's taking a step back from last year somehow, and he's part of the problem, especially when it comes to the run defense. Where do you stand on Bolton, or what have you seen from him so far? Uh, do you have questions about him? Well, you know, we've seen these last few weeks. The, the run D has absolutely been gashed, right? The Raiders and the Bills both had a lot of success, especially early, um, the Bills especially, early in the game, running on the Chiefs defense. Even when they're in their base personnel, we mentioned that the Bills were, were, were forcing the Chiefs or maybe we didn't mention it yet, but the, the Bills were actually forcing the Chiefs into their base personnel early and often in this game by just staying in, in 21 personnel with their fullback in the game, but spreading it out and throwing or even just doing play action off of it. But even when they did run, there, there were some gashes. And, and one of the things that stands out to you is, is, is Bolton trying to, you know, trying to defend the run. It just seems like he's, he's maybe taking his time a little bit, allowing that fullback or allowing that lineman to get on him first rather than Bolton kind of uh, you know engaging and kind of being the attacker on it and it has led to, to maybe some some, some runs uh, going a little further than, than we'd like to see you know and, and that's just something where you know I, I, I do think there is something to maybe Willie Gay not being in this not being next to him might might lower his ceiling as a run defender right I think when you have a disruptor like Willie Gay next to you it really makes it easy to be the cleanup guy and Bolton's the perfect cleanup guy right he makes he, he doesn't miss tackles he, he's a tackling machine but I, you know, there, there are definitely some things where if you want to point to the run defense not looking as good the last couple of weeks, it does seem like Bolton's maybe been a little, a little less uh, aggressive, a little less attacking right off the snap towards the line of scrimmage. And maybe that's part of the game plan. I'm not sure, but, but, it, but it is on the film a little bit. Um, and, and, and the fact is he's doing that while still making plays. But I think that is what people are, are pointing to, Stags, and, and, and I've seen it a little bit as well. You know, it's one of those things where a guy certainly has his limitations, but you try to draw trends in a season that's only six games deep so far. And, you know, prior to the Raiders game, we were talking about how this run defense was off the charts. Like they were completely dominant. Obviously Tampa Bay didn't even try to run the ball, but before that, even before that, they had a couple of games where they were really, really good against the run. So was Bolton the reason that they were good against the run and now the reason that they're bad against the run? Um, or are there, are there other factors in there? To me, a lot of the run issues this week, uh, at least on the, the broadcast, was uh, was tackling. There was a lot of uh, opportunities to bring a guy down, and it, and it just didn't happen. And that was a little bit of an issue, I think, last week uh, against the Raiders as well. But, you know, Bolton, like you said, is probably the most sound tackler on the team and, and you know, arguably – 
across the league, he's he's up there when it comes to that uh, ability to wrap somebody up uh, to be a clean tackler. Uh, you know, he had he had 13 tackles, nine solo this week, two tackles for loss. He's going to be amongst the league leaders in tackles, yeah. uh, and and having those two tackles for loss, uh, that's been a fairly consistent theme for me. So. Yeah, I think he had, he struggled maybe a little bit in the first half or, or got blocked a little bit in the first half. We don't know his assignments there. We don't know if he was um, part of the plan to, to spy Josh Allen. We don't know what the what the reads there were. Um, but in the second half, it did, it did seem like he was attacking a little bit more, uh, made some plays. Um, I personally, you know, I haven't noticed a lot of this, uh, this issue that, that, that folks are pointing out. Um, but even if that were a prominent issue or concern, I feel like he makes enough plays uh, to, to outweigh that to the point where, why are we talking about Bolton in a game like this? Why <laughs> is Nick Bolton the guy that you're concerned about? You've got, well, let's get to our stats of the week. Um, but you've got a couple of tackles who, you know, arguably are, are, are struggling as much as any in the league. Um, and, you know, in a game like this where they hold the, the Bills to 24 points uh, on offense, uh, I mean, yeah, they had, what, 125 yards rushing. That's not uh, catastrophic uh, from a rushing standpoint. And, you know, 32 of those were by the quarterback, which you, who you expect to run for, for substantial yardage. But they had a lot of carries, and, you know, uh, 31 carries total uh, for 125 yards is not uh, a terrible run performance either. It's really, to me, the issues of this game were more on the offensive side of the ball. And so, yeah, my stats of the week this week, Andrew Wiley now leads the NFL in sacks allowed with six. And Orlando Brown Jr., his partner on the other side, leads the league in hurries allowed. So both of these guys, top six in the NFL in pressures allowed. Mahomes has a way of avoiding sacks to, to a pretty ridiculous extent sometimes. Sure, Mahomes' style of play probably leads to more pressures than maybe some other quarterbacks because he's running around in, into, uh, into pressure and maybe going the opposite way from where he should go sometimes uh, or, or dropping back too far or whatever. But all of that said, I think the Chiefs have a tackle problem. Yeah, I would say that's an understatement. Um, you know, it, it, it's very apparent in these games where, where the other team has a, has a premier rusher to, to throw at one of them because um, – you can't chip both sides and, and yeah, you know, ideally you chip whatever side Von Miller's on or whatever, but it's, it's, it's never that easy, honestly, it really isn't. Um, and, and you saw whenever Von Miller got those one-on-ones with, with one of those guys in those three man rush opportunities, you know, he got Von Miller got the best of both of them and it, and, and it, and it messed up a third down play in a, in a couple times in the fourth quarter. And I like those stats because it does kind of make sense to me. I do think Wiley has just gotten beaten, you know, cleanly more often right where it's just like boom he's gotten beaten the guy's headed right to Mahomes we saw that with Max Crosby we saw that this week with Von Miller Orlando Brown he's not getting as, as just as beat cleanly as often but it just seems like there's so many times a guy's able to get around the edge and, and make Mahomes either flush to the right or, or kind of just uh, escape the pocket to some extent so I think those stats really speak to how those two have played how those two have played and and you know when they don't play premier edge rushers, it's going to look a lot better. And, and, and remember that as, as we get in the season, as we play different teams, but we saw the teams we're going to see in the playoffs, you know, whether it's the bills, right. You know, with Von Miller, whether it's, it's the, you know, any of these AFC West teams, if, if the chargers turn it around, you know, who they have, 
that's who they're going to see when it matters most. And, and that's where this is concerning, Stags, is that these offensive tackles just seem to not be able to hold up against top-tier edge rushing. Well, guess what? Every team in the AFC did this offseason to counter the Chiefs was get top-tier edge rushing. So not good, not good. What do you got for us for stats of the week? So real quick, defense, shouting out defense. I want to shout out Colin Saunders. Uh, Defensive tackle, he's the guy who plays. He's actually starting to play a little more, especially now that Turk Wharton's hurt. But this guy leads the entire defensive line room in tackles, yet plays the least snaps out of anybody that's been, you know, healthy, obviously, throughout the whole season, besides Malik Herring, who's played very sparingly. The guy has six more tackles than any other defensive lineman. The second most is Frank Clark with 13 to- combined tackles. Colin Saunders has 19 combined tackles this year. He also has three quarterback hits. So just wanted to shout out Colin, dude. That, that, that guy is working in his limited snaps. I love that play this week, by the way, where uh, Allen rolls out and Saunders is chasing him. Uh, and I think Allen kind of gave this look like, how is this guy still running, <laughs> right? Like, because he's just a, you know, he's the he's a pretty round fella. Oh yeah, uh, this Colin Saunders, but to see him out there running with Josh Allen uh, w- was pretty cool. Yeah, and that's that's the beauty of him is, and why he was a third round pick is he's this stout dude that looks like he should be able to handle playing one tech or nose tackle over the center, taking on double teams. But he's also a penetrator, very athletic. It's probably actually what he's best at. Obviously, is, is penetrating. So. Shout out, Colin, but I do want to, you know, we've been talking about the offense kind of sputtering as of late. Now, if you see, if you saw my tweet tweet on Monday, you already know this, but the Chiefs fourth order offense has been has been very bad this year. Um, and and I and I proved it in a tweet showing every possession, whether the game was within one score or the Chiefs were, you know, leading by one score, tied or trailing in the fourth quarter this year. They've had ten possessions. They have only scored a touchdown on one of those possessions. They've only scored total on three of them. They've kicked two other field goals. And two of those have ended in game-ending interceptions. So you've you've thrown an interception to end the game more than you've scored touchdowns on meaningful drives in the fourth quarter this year. That's not good. And to expand on that, I was looking into Mahomes' fourth quarter stats, comparing them to previous seasons. This is where it gets interesting, Stag. So – this year, Mahomes has a 56% completion rate in the fourth quarter. It's the lowest of any rate he has, has of any quarter this year. And compared to the last two seasons, each of the last two seasons, he's had at least 10% higher of a completion percentage in the fourth quarter. He has one touchdown to three interceptions in the fourth quarter this year. If you look at the last two years combined in the fourth quarter, he had 22 touchdowns to four interceptions. So he already almost has as many fourth quarter interceptions as he's had the last two seasons combined this year and he also has a 54.9 passer rating in the fourth quarter it's the lowest of any other quarter or lowest of any quarter the the lowest uh, other quarter is 106.2 so it's that much of a drop off from the second uh, worst quarter and the last two seasons in the fourth quarter he's had at least 115 passer rating which is the best of any quarter both those years so it's it's something that I test we already know we already knew about Mahomes but he always seemed to have played his best in the fourth quarter in those situations the stats show it this year. The possessions show it this year. That has not been the case, and it's definitely something that needs to improve uh, before, obviously, it gets down to crunch time, and they really need it to be uh, to win the games. Yeah, that's. I find that a little depressing, and and it's it's frustrating to see. I mean, that's not what we know of Mahomes and who right. he is. Uh, so you can blame factors around him. You know, you can blame him trying to do too much or or, or whatever. Uh, but whatever it is, uh, you got to see that starting to turn around before, like you said, before the games count. 
Uh, on a slightly more optimistic note, even if it's not super realistic, uh, one of my stats of the week is uh, 3.455, uh, and that is the uh, $3.455 million in cap space they just freed up by restructuring Travis Kelsey's contract. We can all sit here today, and I, I know the speculation already started, about oh, yeah. uh, it's it's uh, the time of the year when NFL teams start to look at trades before the deadline. And, you know, the, all coincidentally, the Chiefs start to free up a little bit of cash. You know, I, there's already been reports coming out since this uh, tweet saying that, oh, that was just a procedural move or they just needed mm-hmm. some operating space for the rest of the year or they needed – the one that really made me laugh was they needed enough room to call up DiCaprio Boodle off the <laughs> practice squad for this week, uh, who they subsequently have already released uh, from, from the active roster. Yeah, wow. Um, so – Whatever the reason, at least it's a little bit fun to start speculating on, on on trades. And as we come into the break here, first of all, when we get to get back from the break, we're going to cover your Twitter questions. A lot of great questions this week. We always appreciate you all asking questions. Uh, make sure you're rating and reviewing the, the podcast as well. Uh, and stick with us for the second half. And we'll talk through your questions here. So as we go to break, I'm going to throw out a would you rather for you this week, Ron. Uh, And it's all about the trade deadline. So uh, would you rather be the Chiefs be buyers at the, at the trade deadline and go out and acquire um, edge rusher from the Panthers, uh, Brian Burns? Yes. Or would you rather be a seller at the trade deadline? And I just saw a tweet that the green Bay Packers are looking for wide receivers. Would you trade them McCole Hardman and get something for him before uh, his contract is up? in a season where he's struggling anyway um, and, and get, get some resources there to, to continue building this team long-term. So that would also ancillary benefit, free up some more snaps for Sky Moore, who we've all been advocating for. I'll let you ponder that while we go to break and hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back on the Out of Structure podcast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back on the Auto Structure Podcast. Matt Stegner with Ron Cott Jr. from ArrowheadPride.com. Ron, our lead analyst on ArrowheadPride.com, I asked you this question. Would you be a buyer or a seller at the trade deadline? And more specifically, would you buy Brian Burns? Would you sell McCole Hardman uh, at the deadline or you know sooner than that? Give me Brian Burns. Bring him here to Kansas City. Uh, he would be the difference-making edge we've been looking for. He's only 24 years old, still on his rookie deal, so you would have to pay him eventually, which would have to be this offseason. Um, but and it'd probably take a little bit, but that's the thing. This team built up draft ammunition for a reason, you know, and, and, and never waste a Super Bowl year a window with Mahomes. And I think that could be a way to really try to maximize this year, especially because they're not getting home with, with the defensive lineman they got right now. They are only getting home with the blitz. So, but Burns will help with that. But man, I, I, I like that idea you had about McColl, man. I don't know. It's an interesting thought, Sags. Did you give that more thought than the, uh, than the Burns than I did? No, I, I feel like it was sort of a gimme, but I was trying to make a case for McColl there because I like McColl Hardman. I think he can be a valuable player, uh, but clearly something's just not quite clicking here, uh, and and it may be an opportunity for him to to get some usage and and for them to get more out of Sky Moore because I think it's it's time for Sky Moore to get more involved. Yes. But the Brian Burns acquisition would be fantastic. This is one of the reasons, and damn it, I wasn't going to do this on this podcast, but this is one of the reasons I objected to the George Karloftis pick is because the Chiefs need a dynamic pass rusher, somebody who can be a difference maker off the edge. Uh, You're not going to get Von Miller, but can you get somebody who can do some of the things that Von Miller did for the Bills this this week when the Chiefs go up against opponents? It's not going to be Karloftis. That's not his game. He's a good player, but he's not going to be that edge rusher, the speed edge rusher. Burns could be. Now, would it cost them their first round pick in a year where they're hosting the NFL draft? <laughs> you know, like that you get into the, the cost associated with it. And right. it, it could be tough from a draft pick compensation perspective. It could hurt. But if you can use your first round pick, which should be towards the end of the round anyway, and get an established pass rusher who's still very young, who has at least one year left on a cheap rookie contract before you have to extend him. You know what? Yeah, I would do that. Um, it'd be disappointing not to see that pick made on, on Thursday night in Kansas City. But yeah. if, it, if it means that they win the Super Bowl this year because they all of a sudden have a, a pass rushing threat that's missing right now, yeah, it's worth it. Well, yeah, and you got to think future implications, right? I mean, Frank Clark, his deal is coming off the books most likely this offseason, right? They're, they're, they finally have an out, even if they do have to pay a little bit of dead cap. So that, you know, all of a sudden your, your investment in the defensive line room is, is down. You do, you do have some space maybe to invest in it more. Chris Jones is there, but shoot, who knows, man? I mean, with, with, with what we've seen from the Chiefs, they just traded Tyree Kill when no one thought they would. Who knows if, if they try to get ahead of that similarly and, and try to get rid of Jones this offseason. So maybe this Burns thing, that, that's kind of in the back of their head too. Just speculation, but it is exciting. It's, it's fun to talk about this kind of stuff because he would be a difference maker. You mentioned, you know, doing some of the stuff Vaughn Miller does. Brian Burns is very tall, and, I, and, and he has actually done that ghost move that we've seen Miller do where he fakes and, and goes under without even touching the dude. 
Brian Burns has done that. And to do that, it is like, he's a, he's a freak athlete, a freak bendy guy. And that's exactly what we've been striving for. What we've been craving in Kansas city. So yeah, I'd, I'd be so pumped to, to see that. Yeah. So let's just assume it's not going to happen. So we don't, don't get our hopes up and yeah. let's move on. Smart. To, that's smart. <laughs> let's move on to our questions from our guy, Thomas Ramirez. I like the defensive game plan, but I think Spags over blitz on both of the touchdown plays left the rookies on an Island. Uh, or was there something that I was overlooking overall impressed with the defense and looking forward to seeing gay and McDuffie coming back. But what do you think, Ron, should they not have blitz on those two touchdown plays? I mean, you're not wrong in, in the fact that he did leave those two or to, he left Joshua Williams. It was just him on, on the island on those touchdowns, uh, one against Gabriel Davis, the other against Stephon Diggs. But that's kind of what you just you live with with Spags and, and it's living and dying by the blitz. I mean, you can't have the, the big plays where he forces a fourth down incompletion or, or, or a crucial sack without having these kind of plays. And the thing is. Yes, it's Joshua Williams, so maybe that's where you maybe want to change your game plan a little bit, but. If it's your starting cornerbacks, you got to give your your guys confidence. Look that that you can make that play. Now we saw it last year with Jamar Chase. Like there are limitations to that. When it's third and twenty seven or whatever, whatever it was, third and seventeen, you know maybe you don't. But in this in this game, in the flow of the game, in my opinion, it was just part of it. Josh Williams got beat. He's going to learn from it. But um, I, I you, you got to live with it and die die by it. The only real gripe I I guess I would say on on the Diggs touchdown is he blitzed actually from the opposite side of where Williams was one-on-one with Diggs. You want to blitz from the side you don't want him to throw to, right? Because he, he's not he's going to be less willing to throw over a blitz like most quarterbacks are, although, you know, he's tall enough to do it. But uh, that was, that'd be my only gripe is maybe protect him a little more with the blitz, um, forcing him away from Williams. But all in all, uh, that's just kind of how it goes. And, and if, he had a, if, if we had our starting cornerbacks in, maybe one of those gets knocked down and, and, and you know, and it's an incompletion, you know? Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd love to see some help, some safety help back there in a game where you knew you were relying on your fourth and fifth corners. Um, but you're right. If you can't get pressure, you can't get pressure. And so yeah. Jake yeah. Wilson, our guy at Jake Wilson, at, at Jake for now, is it fair to say the loss to the Bills was the difference between being able to get pressure with four defensive linemen or three sometimes versus needing to blitz? So – Buffalo could get pressure with their just their linemen. Uh, the Chiefs had to blitz. Is that the difference in the game? I mean, pretty much. I mean, you can pretty much simplify it to that, honestly, because the Bills getting that pressure with just three or four um, really did, you know, obviously shut down things in coverage. You know, Mahomes wasn't able to find open windows to, to, at some point on those third downs. You know, Josh was still able to, to make plays because, you know, there's still space downfield when you blitz, right? You know, and and, and that's just part of it. And that's where we talk about this Brian Burns thing, man. That's where it makes a difference. You know, Von Miller, you know, we talked about how even these teams were heading into the season or head, you know, just from what we saw last year. Well, them getting Von Miller was that difference maker and and it made the difference in this game and they're hoping it makes a difference in the playoffs too. We'll see if that's the case, but it definitely was a big reason they won this game was instead of just having a, a quality guy, a rush of four guys, they have one elite guy that really allows them to, to get home, truly get those sacks, not just pressure, get those sacks um, from three or four man rushes. So yeah, I, I think it is pretty simple. Just as simple as that. If the chiefs were able to get pressure with four, they may have even be able to, to slow Allen down even more than they did already. Well, looking for simple explanations here, Andrew Jones at a Daniel Jones on Twitter. I need someone to explain the run game. What's wrong with it, how to fix it. <laughs> explain it to me like I'm five. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I like this. I like, I like uh, the, the little, uh, you know, I get to sit down with a, a kindergartner and teach them, uh, teach them the run game, but it is pretty simple, honestly. I mean, it, you know, I, I feel like I've said it over and over, but this team just, they love, the, well, I'll start with this. They want to pass the ball. This team's main focus on offense is to pass the ball, get get stuff going downfield, you know, get the ball in the playmaker's hands, use Mahomes' intelligence and his playmaking ability, yada, yada. With that, makes it, it comes with a, a base run scheme that goes off of that, which is a lot of these RPOs you see, right? You know, the shotgun, um, you know, they're outside zones a lot of the time um, because you can't really get downhill on a run on an RPO because you're going to get an, an eligible man downfield, which we actually did saw, see this week. It took away a touchdown off the board um, and they didn't score on that possession. That would have been big, but that's, it's just, that's their main run scheme. And so one of the problems I've had um, when I've looked into this Chiefs fourth quarter offense is when they do get in that zone late in the game and, and they do feel like, hey, we want to kind of maybe try to run out the clock. They lean on what is their their base run game, right? They don't do anything special in the run game. And what their base run game is, as I just mentioned, these horizontal run actions, right? Running from shotgun, taking the handoff while you're 90, you know, parallel to the line of scrimmage, 90 degrees, right? It's just not a way, it's not a, a great way for the running backs to get ahead, a full steam, you know, head of steam heading into the line of scrimmage to get penetration and, and get positive yards. But it all, it's also on the offensive linemen, too. They, they don't get the chance to get downhill and create that separation past the line, right? When you're moving side to side, there's just no penetration happening, and it only allows the defense to just to get over there. And, and with how slow, uh, you know, no offense to the running backs, but they are slow to the edge, a lot of them. Um, you know, even Pacheco at times, he's the fastest of them, but mainly Clyde and Jarek, they're so slow to the outside that it just gives defense so much time to, to get over there. So all that to say is the run game is just, it, it's bad because they don't weaponize the offensive line like they should. They prioritize the pass game so much that it affects their run game and they don't go under center enough. They don't run their power schemes enough. They don't just run straight design runs enough. It seemed like we saw it more against Tampa Bay, but they're still just not doing it. It, it wasn't the case against Buffalo. And I feel like it's still a wrinkle they can add at some point, but that is what's what's wrong right now. Is just that I feel like the coaching staff is just not maximizing the talent of the run game, putting them in bad positions by continually doing these shotgun runs that just don't give the running backs much of a chance and don't allow their offensive linemen to to get off the ball and, and really push somebody around. Yeah, and in its simplest form, the run game, you know, largely is about. Uh, who can get moving forward. Yes, right? exactly. And, and so when you're doing a shotgun run, you're handing it to a guy who's standing still basically, and he has to get going before he gets to the line of scrimmage. If you're, if you're handing the ball off, uh, you know, out of, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're handing it off out of uh, a traditional formation or under center, uh, that running back is already moving towards the, the line of scrimmage, right. you know, before the snap. I mean, that's again, not before the snap, before the handoff, it's at least, you know, a little bit of momentum. And you're right. I think you just have to look at play into the strengths of the guy you have. Exactly. This team looked really balanced a couple of weeks ago when they lined up, ran some power stuff for Clyde and mixed in Pacheco. And that was a two headed monster that worked. Um, you know, frankly, I, I know McKinnon has had his moments, but I want to see that two headed monster Clyde Pacheco be what they do going forward. I know there's a reason they keep putting uh, McKinnon in uh, largely probably around pass protection because that little guy likes to uh, likes to mix it up there. But Pacheco can do that as well. Clyde's getting better at that as well. 
Um, I wouldn't be as worried about uh, pass protection at this point. I mean, they're obviously their tackles are struggling, but you can you can make it better for those guys by running straight ahead, getting those offensive linemen moving forward and, and attacking yeah. the defense the way that they love to do it. And when they were fired up against uh, uh, the the Bucks and and they were called out, you know, for their performance, all of a sudden you saw some offensive linemen moving forward and flattening people. Uh, and even was it last week when they did the mic'd up on Travis Kelsey? Yeah, find somebody and yells pancake. Yeah, oh <laughs> before yeah. Before he runs back to the huddle, uh, you know these guys like to hit people. They like to move them forward. Exactly. Uh, and and I think to me that's the simplest explanation is let your guys move forward. Let them do what they do best. And and you're right. Either run or pass. This this RPO thing it feels played out. Uh, it. There's a couple of things I feel like the Chiefs offense can just pretty much take out of the playbook. The shovel pass to Kelsey, everybody knows it's coming. Uh, the the uh, outside zone run to Clyde, it's never going to work. Um, and, and maybe the RPO uh, should go as well, and they should just start either throwing the ball or running the ball and, and mix in some play action. Well, one of the things, too, in the fourth quarter is is where I just feel like sometimes it just doesn't make sense to me to just, you know, because outside zone a lot of times or inside zone, I, I get it, you know, in this in this offense and the flow of the game, a lot of times they're just using it as filler between pass plays, right? They're just like, all right, I just want to get to the next pass play. Let's try to get four or five yards here on the run. But when it's late in the game, when you're trying to either, you know, protect the lead or, or kill clock while you're, you know, tied and trying to drive down the field maybe, depending on the situation, the defense kind of already expects you to run to an extent. So just freaking do your best runs instead of, you know, because if they're already expecting a run and then you're also giving them a, a run that's easier to tackle than maybe a downhill run game, then it's just even worse. And so that's where, you know, just get a little more predictable in the run game. It's going to be okay. You have the linemen to, to make up for it if they're motivated, if they're uh, playing on all cylinders. So, yeah, I, 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 really, uh, I, I really would like to see the run game just be more powerful and trust the linemen to do their thing more. I don't know if that was a five-year-old level or not, but uh, we'll, we'll move <laughs> I don't know either. We'll, we'll move on. Um, and, and I think this is this is sort of related. Don Julio asked, when will this Clyde, Edward, Clyde Edwards-Alaire experience end? Will another running back like Pacheco or even Rojo get a serious chance to be running back one? This is working under the assumption that the problem is Clyde here, which I, I really don't think it is. You know, Clyde has its limitations that are obvious to everybody in the building, apparently, except for the coaching staff. Um, so when Clyde is used the way Clyde uh, can play, um, it works. When you send Clyde out wide on an outside zone, it doesn't work, and everybody knows that. So, you know, throw the ball to Clyde, run some power stuff with him, and and uh, mix in Pacheco, and you've got uh, you've got a mix that works. But I don't see them going away from Clyde anytime soon. I just think they need to do a better job of calling the right plays for him. Yeah, I mean, you said it, man. I mean, the thing is, Pacheco is probably, you know, a, a better uh, guy for those outside zone runs because he can gain speed a lot better, right? He can he can get to that edge and beat maybe linebackers to the edge a little better, obviously, than Clyde can. And he's probably a little uh, more explosive out of his cut to kind of you know take advantage of, of back of cutback lanes. But either way, you know, if you want to take advantage of where Clyde's best at, you can't just only put him in when you want to use him, right? You know, he has to play, you know, the, the downs, you know, most of the downs. And and right now I think it's been working. I, I, I you know, I, 
it's it's not too much to complain about right now. You know, Clyde's you know individual performance again. I think it's more on the coaching staff, like you kind of mentioned. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's like the Nick Bolton conversation. Like, why is this the guy we're complaining about right now? Yeah, uh, that, yeah. You know, this, you know, the Clyde had um, how many carries did Clyde have this week? Oh, um, like nine. Clyde had nine, nine carries this yeah. week. Uh, led the running backs. This team did not try to establish the run, or they they didn't uh, run in such a way that it was effective. Like you said, it felt like they were sort of like obligated, like, all right, let's hand it off real quick so we can get ready for, for Mahomes right. to throw it next time. Uh, Clive ran the ball nine times. Um, you know, the next the next leading carrier was, was Mahomes with four for 21. So it was a bad game running the ball uh, all around, but let's not – pretend Clyde had 30 carries, you know, for, for 60 yards. Uh, you know, th- this was just one of those games that, that the running game was not there. Uh, Don Julio asked, how low are the chances of injury-prone Lucas Niang coming back and replacing Andrew Wiley? Feels like a long shot, I know. Uh, that's, that's Don's question. Uh, what do you think? Is Lucas Niang going to come in and save the day? You know, I, I, I think there is a chance because it's not like Wiley has solidified himself as 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 the for sure starter. So I, I think it's an open competition once Niang's healthy for sure. You know, he, he played quality snaps for, for the team last year. I think some of the things he struggles with is stuff Wiley struggles with anyway. And then you all but then on top of it, you get Niang with a lot more power so he can maybe help in the run game more so. I don't think it's a long shot at all. I mean, he just needs to be healthy and we don't know when that is, you know, you, we, we thought by now, cause we thought there was a chance he'd start the season. Right. But uh, once he's healthy, man, there's no reason he can't take it back from Wiley. You know, it, there's no reason. And, and I'd be, I'd, I'd really want to see it honestly, just to maybe even switch things up. Yeah. I've been a proponent of his for a long time. And I think if, if he can get back on the field, then it's the, it's the right, uh, it's the right move to give him that shot. Maybe it's one of those things where they, look at making a switch after the bye week um, and, yeah. and give him. So right. he's got plenty of time, but then they also have a little bit of time to get him, you know, installed and up to speed before, before he has to play again. Um, it, it feels like a long shot now just because it's been so long. I feel like since we've seen Lucas yeah. Niang, but you remember when, you remember when we felt like the offensive line was fixed and we, we put a big check mark next to offensive line and said, all right, they've got their tackles of the future. The interior line is full of all pros. Uh, you know, Lucas Niang is young and a great run blocker. Uh, and, and, you know, that's that's going to be your offensive line. And he, you know, would probably have been the, the weakest link of all of those. And that was still pretty solid. Now, all of a sudden, we're worried about both tackles and we're not sure what they have in Niang. So it's just it's, it's striking to me how much uncertainty we already have on the offensive line when we thought it was we thought it was fixed. Yeah, and it just speaks to, you know, this is a very young, especially the interior offensive line. I mean, you know, like Trey has not been perfect. I, I've not, especially the Bills game, he had a few times where it was he had some ugly reps. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just it's just part of these guys are still very young, still a, a new group together. I mean, you know, Brown, obviously, you know, we're not, we need to make a decision on. But, you know, the other guys, you know, Creed, Trey, Tooney, I'm confident they'll, you know, they'll continue to gel together. Our next question from ILIV for Chiefs at Mallard 39. Niang and Kennard both not panning out. It's killing us right now. If we add Furious George to that list, we're in real trouble. Uh, I don't know if this was a question directed at us or just a comment, <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think they're not getting contributions from, obviously, from Kennard, who hasn't yet been active for a game, I don't think, or he certainly hasn't played substantial snaps if he was active. Mm-hmm. He was somebody who we hoped would come in and take the Trey Smith path and all of a sudden be a starter uh, at right tackle. Um, certainly is not on track to do that and sort of a forgotten man at this point. And Niang, you're right, you know, hasn't been around, has been hurt a lot. Uh, Karloftis has been playing a lot of snaps and been a competent player playing those snaps. Maybe not an impact player like we alluded to earlier, but but certainly a competent one. This uh, this idea that the Chiefs are in real trouble because three of these young players are not panning out, uh, at least uh, in, in this uh, commenter's opinion at this point, to me is a little bit off base considering how much they are getting from all these other rookies and, and young players. This is an extremely young team. They're getting huge contributions from a lot of young players. Uh, just look around the defense and see how many young players are starting. Uh, you know, this is a group that is their best football is ahead of them, uh, but they're ahead of schedule really when it comes to contributions from the young players. Yeah, you know, it is it is interesting because he's, he's talking about specific positions in offensive tackle and edge that I do think the Chiefs, to an extent, have struggled to develop, um, you know, especially in the Mahomes era. You know, in the Andy Reid era, you know, they developed Eric Fisher into a quality left tackle, so you got to give him credit for that. But, you know, they have not had luck drafting defensive ends that turned into impact players. They have not had luck drafting offensive tackles so far that have turned into impact players. You Maybe you – consider Wiley a, a good development, which, yeah, that is true. I mean, he's starting. So maybe, you know, as a guy that was an undrafted free agent or a seventh round pick, that is pretty good. But it is interesting that we, we do need to see them hit on one of these on an offensive tackle or an edge player at some point, you know, uh, you know, Veach needs, and I know they haven't had the chance to pick high in the draft. And that's where, you know, it's, those two positions are really the ones that you, you need to be in the top half of the draft to get the best kinds, right? It's, it's hard to find them after that, but if Karloftis really is just a, another guy, you know, it is a little discouraging. You know, you, you do want to find difference makers on, at those two positions specifically. And it just seems like they've had trouble, um, you know, either drafting or just developing those those positions uh, in the Andy Reid era, at least the Patrick Mahomes era, I should say. Well, Patrick Mahomes zone asks, are we going to beat the Bills in the playoffs? Yes, that's all I need to say. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to the next week. Uh, the Chiefs are going <laughs> to face another tough challenge this week. As Andy Reid would say, we're looking forward to the challenge of playing the San Francisco 49ers. Um, this is going to be a, a road game, another 325 uh, Central Time game. Uh, what's your what's your preview of the 49ers game? How do you feel about that matchup? Well, you know, you think of 49ers, you think of a, a tough run game. And, and we've talked about it this podcast, but that's something the Chiefs have kind of struggled with uh, these last couple of weeks is defending the run, kind of getting gashed. And that's exactly what the Niners like to do. It was a little different because they're more one-dimensional in that way. Uh, they don't have the the passing game on top of the run game to kind of uh, threaten the Chiefs in that way. Um, they're definitely more one-dimensional. Jimmy Garoppolo is not, you know, he's, he's definitely not anything. You know, he's a backup entering this year for a reason. Um, and, and you know, and and the Chiefs have experience kind of heating him up. So, you know, it, it's it's a good test, right? Because the Niners' defense is very well coached, a very good playmaking defense. They do have some injuries right now, but. Uh, you know, their defensive coordinator is dialing it up. They do have some playmakers at every level. Um, you know, that that guy, that Troy Polamalu Jr. guy, uh, it, obviously not actually his name. Uh, Hufanga, I think, is his last name. But went to USC, trains with Troy Polamalu, and dude just plays like him. I mean, he's made so many plays for him this year. It, it's ridiculous. Kind of one of the more 
underrated players in the NFL um, now. So watch out for him. He's definitely a key player to watch on their defense. So but they I also guess- have a Bosa, right? So that that's yes. that's the. Um, he's, he's a little banged up right now, though. I'm not sure exactly where that's at. I need to look into that, whether he's playing or not. He's always banged up, or, or at least yeah. at least one of the both. One of them is, yeah. Injured, right? So, but it, but it is a defensive lineman and a de- and defensive front that can get pressure without blitzing. So it, it's going to be another challenge for these offensive tackles, for this offense to get in rhythm. And that's what you really want to see. They've shown, the Chiefs have shown they can do that against a good defense. Um, maybe not this week as much as as against Tampa Bay. So if we see the Tampa Bay uh, type performance out of the Chiefs offense where they get in rhythm early and they just keep coming all day long, then, you know, this this should be one of those games that, that you can chalk up in the win category, but not one to take lightly either because uh, this is a, a, a team that I feel is like perennially underrated you know, I, I did not expect them to be part of the, the final four last year, right? This is not a right. team that you look at and say, hey, that's a Super Bowl caliber team. But they've been in the mix more than more than you, you might expect. And so uh, another good test, another good challenge. Again, my hope is that it's a, it's a similar matchup to the Tampa Bay game. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I think it's going into the bye week, right? We got the bye week right after that. So it, it's a really good, you know, kind of a maybe a motivation factor. Hey, guys, let's 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 get a win. Let's get the five and two. Let's get into this bye week. And I, I'm, I'm really curious about what will happen in that bye week, man. I, I feel like there could be there's some opportunity for some change. We'll talk about it next week. But there's some opportunity for some things to be changed around by the time we see the team on the other side of the bye week. So I'm, I'm pumped for this little stretch about to go on. Well, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to listen in with us. This has been the Out of Structure Podcast with Matt Stagner and Ron Cobb Jr. on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Make sure you listen and rate and review to all of the podcast network. Check out our work on arrowheadpride.com in, in written form as well. And we'll look forward to talking with you next week, hopefully as the Chiefs get back on track against those San Francisco 49ers. And we'll talk to you then. Yeah.